0: Are you a cyclist headed to the Hillside Festival from July 24th through the 26th? If so, then you may be interested in Hillside's Organized Bike Rides. The Organized Bike Ride will leave from St. George's Square every day of the festival, and St. George's Square is located at the corner of Wyndham and Quebec Street. On Friday, it will be leaving at 5pm, and on Saturday and Sunday at 10am. The Organized Bike Ride will return to downtown Guelph every night at 11.15pm from the bike lockup area. Bring your bike light, bring your reflectors, and your glowing personality for the night ride home. It's dark out there. Hillside's organized rides. For more information, visit www.hillsidefestival.ca. Creative Control with Vish Khan.
1: On this episode, I'm live at CFRU. First of all, I'm actually in the studio doing a real radio show, which doesn't always happen. Often it's pre-recorded, but it feels good to be here. And my guest today is from Guelph. Eloquent is on the show, a very noted beatmaker, hip-hop artist. He's got a new record out called Good Karma, and he's playing the Hillside Festival uh, this weekend, July 24th to 26th. So I'm going to talk to him about all of those things, and you're going to hear some new music from Good Karma, and probably get into some other stuff too. So stay where you are, myself and Eloquent, coming up next on Creative Control. Yeah, control. This week's episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero. For my money, the best pizza you can eat in Guelph, Ontario. A proud independent family business run by a punk rocker. Trocadero only uses a rich array of fresh ingredients cut by hand and homemade dough made daily. All baked to perfection inside of a stone oven. It's gourmet panzerati, calzones, wings, salads, garlic bread, breadsticks. And oh man, the pizza. The pizza. Personally... I like the gourmet Domateo with goat cheese, artichoke, roasted red pepper, mushrooms. I sub out the turkey breast for eggplant, but that's just me. Wash the whole thing down with a brio? Man, I am getting hungry just talking about this. Call Pizza Trocadero at 519-829-2444. Visit them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph and online at trocaderoguelph.ca. T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O. G U E L P H dot C A. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Eloquent is a hip-hop artist and producer based in Guelph, Ontario. An underground hero among beatmakers and rabid fans, Eloquent is renowned for his infectious, soulful, but off-kilter compositions that recall aspects of Dilla and DJ Premier but are still wholly unique. Endlessly prolific, Eloquent's brand-new album is called Good Karma. It's out now via hunt What, and Where, and it's prompted him to play live, including solo and collaborative sets in his hometown at the Hillside Festival between July 24th and Twenty-sixth here now to discuss this further. Is eloquent. Hi, eloquent. How are you?
2: Hey, I'm good, man. How you doing?
1: I'm going to turn your mic on. Hey. There you are. All right, let's run that back. <laughs>
2: hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me.
1: I'm good. I'm experiencing uh, some technical difficulties. My first time doing a live show in a while. Often I record this show as a podcast and then it goes out into the air and everything's fine. I do it you know i miss I kind of miss live radio sometimes, but yeah. i, I it 's busy i can 't always get in here at noon you know well, I,
2: I you know it 's kind of like riding riding a bike again, having not done it for a while yeah you, know, you just got you, know, you, you might lose your balance a couple times, but you know once you do
1: it you know this there 's k- no turning back this kind of thing takes so much practice like we're all volunteers here doing these shows and there's bound to be some technical issues. Some people do them really well. And I've been doing this at the station for like 10 years. But now I just am rusty somehow, you know? Do you, um, you ever feel rusty in your own practice?
2: Oh, all the time. All <laughs> the time. I mean, like yesterday, you know, I was trying to work on a song. And was like having brain freezes and forgetting how to do things that I've been doing for 15 years. Did but, you make,
1: <laughs> have you made it up yourself? Like, did you have any, did anyone show you how to do what you do?
2: Um... Like when I was learning how to how to make beats, the vast majority of it was trial and error um especially in the beginning because you know when I was in when I was in grade nine like no no one no one was making beats or at least I didn't know anyone who was making beats and um like the internet wasn't quite
1: as vast as it is now as far as googling things. Now you can just Google a question. and Somebody somewhere has made some kind of YouTube video. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. On how to do any, yeah, everything? Yeah, there, there
2: weren't there weren't any YouTube tutorials to fall back <laughs>
1: on back then.
2: So, I mean, after I'd been doing it for like a lengthy period of time, and and then I like met met other people who who were also not just making beats but using the same the same software I was using. And I was like, oh, awesome. I can finally like ask ask someone a question or two, because like, this has been killing me. You <laughs> but, you know, and like like little things, like simple things, I didn't learn how to do for like a very, very long time. Yeah.
1: I think it's true of everyone. I, uh, a friend of mine once told me when we were trying to learn how to play music together as kids, and everyone was just raving about how well he played his instrument. Mm-hmm. He was. I was like, how did you, you know, we all started at the same level. How did you get so good? He's like, I just pretend I know what I'm doing. He just pretended like enough that <laughs> that he lo- he just had a certain confidence, and then he learned how to do it. Like he would just pretend he knew a lot. Like if it was public, and I think that's actually really useful. You yeah. get a kind mm-hmm. of front.
2: Yeah, my uh, my my dad, he uh, he taught himself how to speak Spanish, like Rosetta Stone. No, no, <laughs> um, there was no Rosetta Stone back in like, <laughs> nineteen like, eighty-seven or whatever oh. it was. Um, I mean, he um, like he worked, like he used to work in in Costa Rica as a as a teacher. And when he was hired, he went like he showed up to start work, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you have to teach everything in Spanish." And he's like, "Well, I kind of don't know it." It's like, ah, uh, you'll, you'll you'll pick it up. How do so, you end up?
1: How do you end up in Costa Rica?
2: Um, I mean, my my dad's been all he's been all around the world. Um, like, like, he was actually a university professor. Um, what, 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 what did he teach? Uh, he taught plant pathology. Um, I mean, he he tried to show me like some of the things that he he did, and I kind of just got confused. But <laughs> um, but just through through that, um, he's been he's been everywhere. So you know, and in which case, he spent almost twenty years in in Costa Rica, but. You know, within a couple of years, he, you know, he picked it up, and it's to the point now where, you know, like he's he's retired, but he he keeps his computer with all the Spanish settings on. So nice. when he asks me to help him with something on the computer, it's all
1: it's all in Spanish, and I have to like ask him what <laughs> things mean. So. How good a professor or teacher must he have been if you didn't understand him when he tried to teach you about plant pathology? That's his whole job is teaching people stuff.
2: Well, I mean, like this is some pretty advanced stuff. Oh, okay. So, I mean, sure, I can see, oh, this this plant has a weird... Fungus on it, but you know, I mean, and, and mind you, I'm like 10 years old at this oh, point. Oh, I'm sorry, so. <laughs> I didn't realize you were
1: so little. All right, yeah, so you might most, not have been the most advanced pupil at 10. Uh, no, I,
2: yeah. I, I, I tried, I, I can honestly say I tried.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> and so now you're teaching him how to use the computer, the, the shoes on the other foot,
2: kind of. Um, I mean, like he knows how to do most like basic things on a computer, but you know, sometimes. He'll ask me like, "Hey, like, uh, how do you do such and such on, uh, on Excel or mm-hmm. or whatever or PowerPoint?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure, it's easy. Let me show you. First, you just go into the file, se- uh, you know, and it's, and <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's all it's all in Spanish. so I'm I'm, I'm trying to like just remember <laughs> from memory, okay? Like, I think this option is like the third one, and what should be the file? Yeah. But, but after like refer to him to make
1: sure (laughs) you must have a little bit of spanish just from osmosis just from your like you must have some vague understanding of spanish
2: i i really i really don't
1: none nothing
2: like i have i have that like basic spanish for dummies app on my phone Uh that i've been meaning to really sit down and you know spend some time with but (laughs) um but you know while, while my dad was was doing all of his, his teaching and his work, um, in Costa Rica. Like I, I was, I was up here.
1: Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. Like, oh, you weren't with him when he was in Costa Rica.
2: No, I mean I I'd, I'd visit and and see him every so often. Oh, okay, but um, but I,
1: I was primarily here. Oh, like, learning okay. English and, okay. and French. <laughs> right. I kind of want my kid to learn. We're putting him in French immersion. I kind of want him to learn Spanish. Honestly, in in
2: retrospect. Um, because, again, I, I was kind of one of those kids who, like, once French was no longer um, mandatory, like, after after grade nine, like, I, I never did it again. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I definitely regret it.
1: Oh, and, yeah? Yeah. I won like, the French award in grade eight and grade nine, and now I have
2: nothing. I, I mean, I used to get, like, I used to get, like, straight A's in French. Right. Like, it, it was one of my best classes. But, you know, there was kind of just the stigma, like, oh, whatever, you're never going to need French.
1: But, People lied to us. People lied to us about that. I wish I'd taken French all the way through, but I got.
2: Well, got, my, well my my teachers kept it real, but
1: <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, when when you're
2: 13 years old and or 14, you know, you you can't like no one looks ahead further than. 20 minutes into the future.
1: Exactly, exactly. I so. wish... I, sometimes I think I... I'm, my son, I can see it in my son. He's stubborn. He's obstinate. And he gets that from me. Mm. And I wish I wasn't that way sometimes. I wish I could... And I'm better now. I'm an adult. I'm a full-grown man. Yeah. So I'm better at softening and listening and compromising. But at, at that point, I was very stubborn.
2: Well, it's funny, though, because, I mean, my, my parents, like my mom especially, would you know, always told me when I was a kid, kind of just the classic, you know, like when... When you're my age, or when you're an adult, you know all of these things I'm saying to you now. Like, you'll you'll get it, and it'll it'll make sense. And you know, and you know, being like the rebellious kid that I was, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't know me, blah 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 blah. And you know, it's not even ten years later, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at kids nowadays, and I'm just shaking my head like. When you're my age, what what you think is cool won't be cool anymore. <laughs> I know, but you, when you say that,
1: you know you sound like a jerk. You know you sound like a you sound out of touch. I was just saying today that uh, I seem to be the only person. It ha- I don't know if it's been published yet, but I seem to be the only person who has reviewed the new Future album negatively. Have you heard the new Future album
2: um, DS2? I don't. I don't. I don't really
1: check from. Yeah. See, that's telling. You're not a fan. Is that right? You yeah, can be on. No, the, no, you don't no, want to go no, on the record. You
2: <laughs> no, no, no I'll, I'll go on the record. It's it's not so much that I'm not a fan. It's honestly I haven't listened to enough to mm-hmm. to to say that I'm a fan or I'm not a fan. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm pretty. Uh, I guess I'm pretty one track minded. But you um, pay
1: attention to what's coming out. Like, have you heard? Do you what's the last new record that you would have heard? Do you remember the la- like, like new hip hop record? Is there something? Do you follow stuff
2: um, when it comes in? Uh, like the new Kendrick Lamar,
1: yes, was exceptional. I saw you tweeting about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, absolutely amazing album. Um, and mm, like Joey Bad,
1: you can say Joey Badass. Okay, yeah,
2: just 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 making sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't want like. I don't want any trouble. No,
1: no, I don't want trouble either. I think we can say Joy- <laughs> it's his
2: name, Joey Badass. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No,
2: that's legitimately
1: okay, no, his name.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I mean, I know that album came out like a Jan- little bit January, yeah, January, January fifteenth. But, 15th. I, but I, I've also got this thing where you know, I don't, I don't feel pressured to to check out like new releases the second they come out. You know, like I, I like to sort of. I like to listen to things and really space them out and mm. really absorb and 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 enjoy it before moving on to the yeah, next. Yeah,
1: I hear you there. I, it's part of my job is writing record reviews. So, and sometimes you have a very short window to do that stuff Definitely. and I I hear what you're saying about waiting, like wanting to process a record, but the way this release cycles and promotional cycles work, they'll be like, here's the record that comes out tomorrow, and you're like, oh, I well, guess we got to write about that very well, quickly. Well, I,
2: I, feel, I feel like there's, there's this inherent um, like pressure almost to you know, something comes out, you listen to it, you enjoy it, or you don't like it, or whatever. And then you you cast it aside and move on to the next like the next
1: day. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything's more disposable. Maybe
2: everything's more disposable. And yeah. and for me, and maybe maybe it just has something to do with like the way I consume music growing up. But you know, if 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 I spend my money on on any record, like this is a record that like that's really gonna like be with me for mm-hmm. for a long period of time. I mean, I'll. Like, every, every album that's received my money is something or, or records that I still listen to, you know?
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Now, I'm, I was really happy that uh, when I was looking at my schedule and I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to Eloquent. Eloquent's going to be on the show because I have a very pressing question for you, and I know you're opinionated. I think you might have a, a slant on this. Do you think Meek Mill is right and that Drake doesn't write his own lyrics?
2: I don't believe that
1: at all. Really? um this just was so just for background this happened t- like today or last night i i actually just saw um i think on twitter like
2: that like that he said that so i i didn't read the full story i, I don't know if he has any like facts or proof mm-hmm. or anything to to back that up he just
1: went on a meek mill went on like a twitter spree uh claiming that uh everyone like Nicki minaj lil wayne everyone who's worked with drake knows this. That he ghost writes his own... That, that rather, he has people ghostwriting his lyrics. And I, I found that interesting. I mean, it's it, it's possible. I'm not going to go so far as... I guess I'm not
2: going to completely dismiss it. Um, well,
1: you did. I, initially, you were like, no, don't believe it.
2: Well, I, I'm, I'm saying that I don't believe it, but I'm not saying that it's completely out, <laughs> out of the realm of possibility. Right. You know, I mean, there's there's a number of... Producers and artists who I you know really strongly supported and believed in, and then I found out that they had a ghostwriter or a ghost producer later yeah um I guess with with Drake the reason that i, I have a hard time believing it um, is mostly because i i I remember listening to Drake like before. He got really yeah. big mixtapes and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. back back when he was doing songs with uh like Hazel and Slack of the Beach Child, mm-hmm. you know, like back when he was kind of just just some guy. The guy from Degrassi basically. Yeah, the guy like, from Degrassi yeah. and, and he was really really good. He was really talented then. Now, mind you, I've uh you know like there 's a number of producers who kind of do the same thing, where I feel like at the at the major label level with so many middlemen there 's this producer there 's this executive producer there 's twenty different writers on one track there 's three people responsible just for the hook mm-hmm. of a song mm-hmm. you know i guess I guess the more that I think of it it 's sure it 's possible that some someone else is involved, but if like if that's true, I don't believe it's for lack of talent,
1: you know. It, 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 I wonder if it's just an instance where he had someone help him on a particular song, or it, it could just be completely well, lies, it, right? But I mean,
2: I've I've heard stories and rumors over the years that that Drake himself has been a ghostwriter for other people. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know. So the ghostwriter has a ghostwriter, you know, where where, where, do you draw the line?
1: I I remember seeing the video for, I think it was still Dre, Mm -hmm. um, and from Dr. Dre's record. I guess it's from 2001. It's actually from 2000. Right, but it's called 2001, right? Yeah, right. Chronic 2001. Chronic 2001. So I remember the video came up, and back in the day, videos would have all these credits and like the blah, 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 and among them were the songwriters, and I saw Sean Carter. And I was like... What? Why does it say Sean Carter is the writer? And it's Jay Z wrote a bunch of Dr. Dre verses, and for and it's sort of known that Dr. Dre does not write his raps. He's a producer and he raps, but he doesn't write them. And so it occurred to me as you were even speaking, ghostwriting in hip hop has been a thing forever. Like we've everyone sort of is vaguely aware of it, and 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 other people who like Jay Z have contributed to other people's songs. Do you know why it's suddenly? causing so much commotion like why that credibility or i think
2: i mean uh, especially at at a at a mainstream level a mainstream level not just hip-hop just all music in general there there are plenty of ghost writers there's you know like having 12 different writers or contributors to one song is not is not something new or common I mean, you know, like you, you know, listen to a, like a Britney Spears record or or whoever and you know, it's like like she didn't write it. Um, but it's not it's not deemed as unacceptable or anything. But mm-hmm. hip hop hip hop has that sort of like pride built in and associated with it where you know, the, the worst thing you can do is is sort of like, like pull like, like, like get your Milli vanillion,
1: on, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. But is it breaking code in some ways to call people out on it? Um. Well, but people, but people are still
2: very like traditionalist on the idea that anything that you rap is something that you yourself wrote. You know, you can't you can't get away with the same things that rock bands and pop artists and and, and other, you know, other genres can do, although it's it's happened. It's been well-documented that it's happened, and it's happened, like, a a lot. Um, Is it a
1: double standard?
2: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I'd I'd say it's one. I think it's just mostly in, in, you know, like, hip-hop. Hip-hop is definitely a very... You know there's definitely more arrogance or braggadocio involved in hip hop i mean you know from from the the foundations of hip hop like like battling for one, you know the worst thing that you could do is the worst thing you could be accused of was you know was not writing your own stuff right you know fighting so, yeah I mean- and, and that and that and that's still and that's still still there. to to some extent but i feel like you know like like what meek mill said might very well be a hundred percent true you know like drake's not going to sell any fewer records because of it He's, he's not going to be seen any less like there might be like people who already who already don't like drake will just be reinforced and whoever Whoever yeah. loves Drake will will just disregard it as
1: whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. Are there? You mentioned. I think you alluded to this. There are. Are there notorious ghost producers? Like I, I was thinking about that today, and I I vaguely heard things about certain people. But you're a producer. Like, do you hear things?
2: Um, I've, i I hear things, um, <laughs> I've heard, um, but, but again, I'm, this is all a... these, these are just like tweets that I read. These sure. are, these are things that I, I see on my Facebook feed from time to time. Um, you know, I, I hear that, you know, like I hear a guy like Diplo may mm-hmm. or may not have a ghost producer or like David Guetta or
1: Steve Aoki or well, whoever. these are more. I would think like EDM type dudes, right? Yeah, yeah. but I guess I guess as far. As I mean, online, I, sorry, not to discount it. If that's happening, that's still weird. But uh, it, it's well, interesting it, that you cited it, those it, three well, dudes. Well,
2: As far as some of the more notable ones, I mean, I've also since we talked about Dr. Dre, um, i I remember I remember that kind of like devastated me, like when when I when I heard. Um, it was like full full disclosure. Like throughout the early 2000s, I mean, like I like Dr- uh, like Dre was right up there with Dilla and Primo and and everybody. No, and, and, and my my producer hierarchy. Um, and then I found out that you know a lot of a lot of those Dre beats were really like not, or they're really like high tech oh, or, you know, like my understanding and I might have it wrong was that, you know, like he might take a knots beat, cut him a check for it. Like he'll, he'll still get credited. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You might take the beat, cut him a check for it. And then, you know, sit in the studio and, and have, um, have his his studio musicians like maybe like re, replay the like what was originally sampled and maybe just like add that
1: oh man add that That's Dre
2: the Dre flair to it yeah. so it it kind of has a Dre signature but in which case he's still technically the producer but he wasn't the guy on the MPC he wasn't the guy on. On machine or Ableton or whatever, actually making the beat. So it it actually led to um, some interesting discussion on, um, like what's a producer versus just a beat maker, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And and for all intents and purposes, like like Puffy or Diddy, um, like he 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 did that a lot during like the the Bad Boy heydays. Like someone else would make the beat and. I read that he would like walk into a room and be like, yo, like just turn 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 up the string a little bit, or yeah, yeah take take that one part out of the hook and you know, and you read the album credits and it says produced by Puff Daddy on it right. when you know it was like but he had a production team working underneath him that that did kind of the the actual heavy lifting you mm. know like mm. you, you you couldn't you couldn 't put him in front of an n p c and lock him in, into a room and tell him to just to you know make a classic
1: yeah, know? Puffy always seems like this impresario dude like he just has the ability and the funds to get a good team around him i'm i, I hadn 't really delved into dre i mean there 's been i mentioned earlier being slightly I wouldn't say I was crushed, but just like seeing all these so- lyricist credits on Dre songs, you're like, oh, he doesn't. And then it kind of came out. No, I don't write. I, he you know, I don't know if he owned it, but it just sort of came out. I don't. He doesn't write his own raps. To find out that he may not make his own beats, it was forgivable, right? Oh well, he makes the greatest beats.
2: Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I was definitely like, I was disappointed when I, you know, when I first found out, but but at the same time. Um, you know, like I, I still, I still consider him a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and but from all accounts, I mean, he, like, he was that guy in front of the the SP12 or whatever, sure. like making the beats on all those NWA records. You know, he's, I guess, he's kind of more in. You know an 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 overseer role you know whereas maybe he was the the writer and director back in the 90s he's kind of just evolved into just director right you know right and and there's there's no shame in that and he's not he's not trying to you know I don't think he ever went around and said yo I made this beat Mm -hmm. as much as like this is a dr. Dre record right so There's no direct deception, but I think that for everyone like myself who idolized him, um, it, it was like you, you you didn't want to believe that it was true. Sure, yeah,
1: you know? no, you don't. You want to believe that your heroes are heroic. Yeah. But yeah.
2: and you know, but looking back at it now, I mean, Dre is still like he's still one of the best to do it, in in my opinion.
1: Or at least engineer other people to get you know. Well, but, organ- that,
2: but that that's that's a huge skill in and of Absolutely. itself. Absolutely, yeah. You know, like to take a song that's maybe pretty good and make it larger than life. Like that's that's no easy task. Absolutely, yeah. I I, I can't really speak on like the Diplo stuff though.
1: <laughs> that's fine. It's funny. This was sparked. This whole line of conversation was sparked by this. Meek Mill tweeting about Drake and then yesterday there was the Nicki Minaj versus Taylor Swift stuff. Twitter is this... What was that about? Oh, did you not hear this? I,
2: I I saw a meme or something on Twitter but I didn't really know the backstory.
1: Basically, Nicki Minaj was really... There's a thing that happens now more than it used to where artists get feel slighted that they aren't nominated for what I think are meaningless awards but they take to their... Various social media and complain. They say, so in Nikki's case, she was like, How is the Anaconda video not nominated for more MTV awards than anything else? It should be, why is it not? Why is it? nominated for video of the year it's got Mm. half a million or almost a billion views or whatever it was on youtube and she made like a subtle allusion to other artists Mm. particularly white artists that were granted this status and she was kind of making this you know subversive argument uh, and being really i thought i thought quite subtle but for some reason taylor swift went, like, responded to Nikki. Like, she didn't mention Taylor Swift, Nikki, Mm -hmm. but Taylor Swift viewed it, the subtext as being about her winning or being nominated for a bunch of stuff. Then they just went back and forth, and Taylor kind of came across like a... Like a mom being like, "Hey, like if I win, you should come up on stage with me." Like, Meh. and it was just like really <laughs> awful. And Nikki, and then like Nikki was just favoriting every tweet that sort of cited the inherent racism going mm-hmm. on, and and so it became this big thing. Like it, it was talked about a lot, and the point of this for me, this has nothing to do with eloquent, but you're on Twitter yeah, it's, quite. It's, it's fun. It's though. interesting. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. I mean, the Meek Mill Drake thing. I just wanted your take on that because, yeah. and it was it very interesting, but and and nikki also i mean i don't want to keep going back to this but nikki is also really adamant about calling people out for ghostwriting as a matter of fact like she was like iggy azalea does not write her own raps i write my own raps like we have to celebrate the artistry and that has triggered q-tip and a whole bunch of other people to say like yeah this hip-hop culture is really important and there's an authenticity to it and it's coming from a very interesting place in new york right
2: yeah, and yeah and for sure i like I understand that there's a lot of um, that there's a lot of ghost mm-hmm. Like I don't, like I understand it. I don't necessarily like it, you know. But in in a perfect world, to me, you know every every artist across all genres would, you know, like would would write write all of their own stuff, yeah. and ghostwriters wouldn't really like exist. But again, that that's no that's no knock on. On, on anyone. Although, you know, for other artists it's not even so much of a I have a ghostwriter where I'm sort of like or people are perceiving or I'm telling people that I'm responsible for these lyrics or or whatever. It's it's just open. Like, you know, you open the the, the credits for, you know, a rock album and it'll flat out say that so-and-so who's not actually in the band wrote the song
0: you well
1: know? i think that we sometimes in the way we consume culture we're always bloodthirsty for pretense like we're mm-hmm. always bloodthirsty for someone being a fake or not being who they present themselves to be and it's it that motivates a lot of everybody loves uh everyone loves the the scarface
2: you know, a rise and fall story. Yeah,
1: and they want to contribute to both, and mm-hmm. it's very strange and problematic. I mean, I think that some of the points that are being raised, certainly by Nicki Minaj, are, are are valid. The Meek Mill, I really think the Meek Mill thing. I think he said it. He's just mad that Drake didn't retweet about his about his own new album, and then it just sparked this like you know, f Drake.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I think a,
2: a lot. I think a lot of those quote unquote beefs, should you should you call them, you know, they're they're really I don't know, like like the way that I grew up and um, you know, watching and listening to, to, to beefs, like actual beefs and and now it's like oh, well, you looked at me awkward at this org show. Yeah, yeah.
1: So. Just like weird, you like. No, and it's just like, it's, like, come on. It's become professional wrestling a bit more than I thought it needed to be. Full disclosure, I'm a huge pro wrestling I know, fan. I I, I think so, I knew that. <laughs> so so, so
2: I, I I should enjoy a lot of that much more than I do, but it's just, you know, it's, it. Like, I, I see it, and I kind of just roll my eyes to it. Sure, sure.
1: I mean, I was going to ask you about about your Twitter habits, because you often live-tweet sports, and you stir things up a little bit with your opinions. That said,
2: not to get off track, that um, I don't know if you saw that whole Ghostface action yes, Bronson thing. Yes, of
1: course. The So Ghostface... Action Bronson went on a sports show and basically yep. he gets compared to Ghostface because his voice sounds exactly like Ghostface mm-hmm. Killer's voice. And the sports people were just asking him about the comparisons. And Action Bronson said, Oh, he doesn't rap like that anymore, like this anymore. Yeah. Meaning I'm a better rapper now than Ghostface is now. And then Ghostface put up this epic YouTube rant about that, Action that Bronson. Was like, that was like the best thing that I've ever seen. I love Ghostface. <laughs> I've had the chance to meet him in the last year and talk, and and uh, he's amazing, and he's a hero of mine. Growing up a Wu Tang Clan fan, I didn't really get into Ghost and Ray because I couldn't understand. <laughs> I couldn't rap like them. Mm. Like everybody else, I could rap. Like you know, when you're in your car or in yeah. wherever you're rapping, and I could rap like everybody else in the Wu Tang Clan. But Ghost and Ray are so dense. I can't rap like to this day. Like I love them, but I have trouble. I know a couple of lyrics. Maybe a couple Ray. But Ghost, I think, is the densest. No, but yeah, intricate. Ghost, I mean, I... Like, I'll go so far as to say, I mean,
2: he might have the best discography in hip-hop. Yeah, like... Like, he has, I don't know, like, 15 albums over, like, over the last 15 years. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, I, I can't think of one that I'd, that I'd classify as bad. He has at least at least five or six like certified classics absolutely yeah you know yeah um i guess as far as that whole beef i mean <laughs> i i don't know i'm I'm torn because i'll fully acknowledge that it was it, it was petty and he definitely like who on whose part well ghost um like i i i I get that he he felt disrespected because a big thing was I guess Ghost said that he he called him up to 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 figure to settle things, and I guess Action was like like no, nah, it, it was it was a mistake. I didn't mean yeah. To say he, uh, it. Action and,
1: Bronson subsequently sent out an apology tweet, but then he deleted it. Oh, did he delete the apology? Oh, and that that's what set Ghost off.
2: Oh man, and so I guess when Ghost like just went off and. Dude re apologized and and he put out another video where he basically <laughs> said he didn't. Accept. Oh man, I haven't followed. All, I man, it's, I didn't see that. That's well, it, it's literally like four seconds long. Some guy asks him like, "Oh, so have you? Do you accept the apology?" And He's like, "No." <laughs> the Video ends, and <laughs> you know, I'm just straight to the point. I don't know. I was again going back to the whole like pro wrestling thing. I mean, that you know like that that was just bringing back like feelings of. You know, watching The Rock back in the nineties, sure. like this this guy is like singing the most gangster stuff I've ever heard, like over like like a Teddy P track. In yeah, the that's right. He's got a and soul track like,
1: going in the back. And, and, and
2: he's like referencing it as he's calling. <laughs> yeah, them yeah. Out. Listen,
1: did you hear what he just said? You hear what he just
2: said? <laughs> like unbelievable. I mean, just, like just for the
1: entertainment, like that. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Well, but, I, this sort of leads into a discussion about your new record, Good Karma. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's
1: a on set. on your bandcamp page for this record, there's a note, and it reads: "Celebrate life. We all got to do better, so let's do better. Let's get that good karma." Did and I'm curious did anything in particular inspire you to write that?
2: Um, I don't know. Like when I was uh, when I was sort of putting putting like the final touches of the album together, and, and I got this thing where every album I do, I always want to put like whether it's a paragraph or two, like a a quick story or the the, the lesson learned of the album. The moral of the album, maybe? The moral of the album. Um, And at that point, I was sort of just reflecting on, you know, on everything that's happened in in my life and my career over, you know, over the last couple of years. And, you know, for someone like myself who's basically just a bedroom producer much like you know millions of other kids out there i mean i've had um i've had the the privilege um or the honor to to be able to 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 travel and to um like to make money doing it yeah and and you know, like just little things, like you know, a clothing company wants to send me a hat or something, just for no other reason but <laughs> they they like my music, or, or you know, like just a, a lot of a lot of blessings, a lot of like good positive things happen, and I'm a very strong believer in in just karma in general, where you know you like kind of what goes around comes around, right? So you know i feel like over over the years especially early in my career where like you know like I, I i took a lot of l's um you know i'm 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 the the take one for the team sort of guy yeah
1: yeah you know i've gathered that about you yeah so you know i've but you you felt like you were that was part of establishing good karma so to speak well i, I feel i feel like um every everything that i've
2: everything all the, the sort of good things that I've I've tried to do um over the years I feel like some of the the cool things happening to me now are are kind of a direct result of of things that I did in the past Oh interesting you know and you know I'm not saying that I'm a, like a perfect saint but um you know when you put someone on, or you make someone smile, or you you do things that you're not obligated to do just for no other reason, but, you know, this is just a good thing to do, you know? So, you know, maybe, like, I feel sort of as a society, um, everyone is very entrenched in doing things, like doing good things for with the expectation of of the favor being repaid right. or the or instant gratification or getting getting something in return. It's like, okay, I'll I'll give you a ride to so and so, but you have to pay for my gas money sure, or sure, or w- whatever it is. And I'm just kind of the kind of person that you know, I I, I like if i do something nice for someone i do it cuz i'm a nice guy and i just want to do it you know like i don't like i'll never ask someone like hold someone hostage for something unless it's like like unless i have like no choice right no i hear you i hear you so you know so i so in my in, in my mind i just feel like you know the the universe will somehow in some way re- repay me for it Huh. And I just feel like you know, if um, if everyone had that sort of attitude of just not, um, you know, not necessarily, or kind of straying away from this sort of quid pro quo um, like attitude, you know, I I just feel like everyone would be better off.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. Is, is this is this tone? Reflected in anything beyond the title of the record? Is there something within... Because you make instrumental music primarily um, with some vocal samples here and mm-hmm. there. Would you say it's reflected... This this idea, is it reflected within the record as well? Or is it just this, the way you wanted to present it as an overarching idea?
2: Um, it was definitely an overarching idea. I mean, before I make any record, um, I always want to sort of decide on, on a concept or an idea or, like, what... Like what? What am I feeling right now? What? What story do I want to tell? Mm-hmm. And and once I, or once I came up or I, or I decided on the concept, um, you know, I kind of just went into into it, saying to myself, like, okay, like this is how I'm feeling. Whatever I make is just, just how I feel. Right. So you know, there's a little more, um, like experimenting on the record um like I, I i sort of i did a few things that um like a few of the songs are kind of throwbacks to some of the the older songs that i've that i've done like back in like 2010 oh, okay um where you know that sort of maybe appe- appeals more to i guess some of some of like my more my more hardcore fans who sort of get mad at me when I like try something new when you, you try know? to evolve <laughs> when I try like to an evolve. artist is supposed to yeah yeah but at at the same time you know I have a few other songs where I'm you know I'm trying to to be a little more current but but still but still hold on to you know what makes eloquent eloquent
1: yeah. You know. yeah you found you found your identity and yeah i, I, I hear what you're saying you, you know you live in Guelph, and are you he- from here originally um I've lived in Guelph since I was four, four yeah okay yeah, so, you, so basi-
2: basically all my life
1: and you are uh you have a large following online it's fair to say like in terms of things like twitter and facebook like the, the the label that put out your new record is from California. Yep, based out of L.A. L.A. you have in a lot of ways transcended the city, so to speak. I'm not trying to suggest that you you know what I mean by that. No, like no, your your been. work is not just a regional phenomenon, and yet I don't know that very many people here know about you. And I, maybe I'm wrong. Is that building? I, I, that's mm. sort of been what we we've all thought. Like why does why don't more people why don't more people here talk about Eloquent?
2: Yeah. Um. I- to be honest, I actually kind of love that dynamic. <laughs> I I, I kind of like being like just relatively unknown. Um, um, I guess, mind you, I I came up, I came up and really made my name, like, like really when like MySpace and and just and right when social media was really starting yeah, to, yeah. really starting to blow up, and um the one thing that like the one thing that i noticed with with um a few of the like the local the local hip-hop or just even some like the local artists um not just guelph but you know some same thing in cambridge it's the same thing in any town toronto say uh even toronto sure i I feel like a lot of a lot of artists like their goal is is kind of to to conquer their city. And my attitude was always to just, you know, look further. Like there's there's an internet now, you know? (laughs) I, like a guy in Bora Bora can listen to my music anytime that he wants to. Yeah. Like anyone with an internet connection. So why, like why, why do all like, why do so many local artists Sort of focus so much on conquering, like like just a, a small area when when you can well, like think, aim aim
1: larger. I think for some of them, if they're making music, they want to play live yep. and they want to get better at playing live, so they'll play a lot in their hometown hopefully develop a following get confidence and then keep you know maybe tour i mean i've lived in the city for 20 years now and i used to joke that it was one of the whitest places i've ever (laughs) been to do you (laughs) do you feel like this is as progressive a town as we like to think it is because i think that guelph has this rap of being very progressive how do you feel about do you feel engaged with that kind of political mindset
2: um all oh, full disclosure i mean i, I know that golf has that that reputation and and i think and i think it definitely manifests in in some of the other genres and mind you um i'll fully admit that you know i don't really like keep my ear to the, sure. to, the to the street so to speak yeah. so you know so if 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 there's some other like if there's some other like like
1: hip hop artist coming up i i i just haven't heard i just haven't <laughs> heard about it yet but you've worked with some people in the hip-hop community for sure yeah like, like noah 23 is a good friend of mine yeah who's um, just split he just split town he's
2: always going to be a golf guy to me though
1: i think he might come i i am honestly hoping he'll be i want him not to come back for his own benefit he's doing well he just facebooked me he says he's doing really well and yeah, he's really he, happy and yeah i
2: think he just said that he's he's touring like He's touring the West Coast or something. Yeah, like that's that. right. And he's going to
1: yeah. be he's going to come to Ontario, I think, at some point. And he started a folk duo in L.A. He's, or, or he's, California. right
2: he's, he's playing Low End Theory in L.A. That's which, right, which is like a huge sort of like that's a big venue. It's uh, it's kind of a nice like who's who. Yeah, you know, everyone from Odd Future to Flying Lotus to Erykah Badu has been there. It's, you played it, right? I haven't. Oh, you haven't. Oh, I I've you had. Um, the opportunity has presented itself a couple times. I just have this like disadvantage of not being from <laughs> California but um but, but you've that, got a
1: label there now maybe you can hook something up
2: yeah i mean it's something that eventually like i'm not worried that i'm never gonna play there it's just it's just getting getting the timing right and making sure because they, they do land on a on a wednesdays yeah are, right which are, which are, which are kind of odd days for shows right um since usually I'm, i get booked like Thursday, Friday, Saturday,
1: right? You know. But you could anchor, if, and never mind. We're, t- we're talking about your book You'll figure it out. You'll get But anyway,
2: but back to the original point. Yeah. Um, and in which case, um, yeah, like with like Noah, he, like I first heard about him um, when I was in like I must have been in like grade eight or something like that, and and the thing that was really intriguing to me was that like this this guy who again much like me like no one like no one really knew anything about him yeah but this this guy was touring europe this guy was going throughout the states like this this guy this guy was well respected and had his 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 touring stripes so to speak to prove it um and you know whereas i feel like a, a lot of other artists are you know, like I know a lot of bands and groups. You know, like they want to like sort of start out playing local and then expand outwards. But I think a lot of artists are sort of complacent and and are and are and are perfectly happy just just playing in their city. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, it's like you know. Yeah. I had ambitions to to travel and do things beyond beyond the limitations of, of Guelph. So it just so happened that I was embraced in Europe and, sure. and Japan and
1: elsewhere in the States and but just not here. <laughs> <laughs> well, this explains why to my understanding your first hillside festival experience will be this coming weekend, right? You've never been? Certainly never performed at it. I never, yeah,
2: never been to or performed at it. I like, I, I'd, um, like i heard of
1: heard of it. and yeah. heard about it. Um, can you talk I, about what you have planned? Because you're in a couple of workshops, which I, I had to explain to you on the yep. phone the other a few weeks ago. That the idea is that you'll be sort of freely collaborating with people in the moment. The one is with the Nels Klein singers and Daniel Lanois. And then I think you're in one I noticed yours. Uh, Lee, Reed, Lee Reed, and Reed and Bad Bad, Bad, Bad and Not Good. Good. Yeah. Do you, and then you've got your own set. Do you want to quickly just say do you have plans? Do you have ideas of what how that's all gonna unfold?
2: Um as far as the jam session, I have absolutely no idea <laughs> what's going to
1: happen. <laughs> you're just gonna bring your what are you gonna bring?
2: Um I mean I'll have my I'll have my SP four oh four. I will probably have my laptop. Yeah. I'll have, you know, I'll 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 have all my stuff. Um I'm not sure exactly how it'll t- how it's going to turn out, but honestly that's really exciting to yeah. me. Yeah. I would think I just I'm, thought you would love this. Yeah, because honestly and and I tell people sometimes when I go out to play, um or you know, I don't I don't like to get um handcuffed to to a set list or or anything in particular i mean i like to feed off the crowd i like to just just go with the flow and those are always the most fun fun jams nice when you know you, you you know you're when you're you're confident without being like you know like following a very very strict um like a strict path so as far as jam sessions, I'm just I'm just excited to go out there. I don't know exactly what my role will be, but I know I'm gonna have a lot of fun doing it. I think you will. And uh I I'm 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 confident too. <laughs> as far as as far as my set itself, um I'm I'm really looking forward to that too. Um ironically, since you mentioned that, like, the first time playing Hillside, um, for as, long as i've been making music and as much as i've done i mean i've i've actually played in guelph no more than like maybe five times yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I personally think that's hilarious it is kind of hilarious um yeah. but every but every time i play in guelph i mean it's uh it 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 keeps like exceeding my expectations nice. and every, and it's and it's a lot more open-minded than a lot of these supposed open-minded like crowds and cities that that I go to sometimes. That's good to hear. So, so now I know that you know there's there's no pressure on me to. To, to, to pander so yeah. to speak so yeah. I, and I I love just like just doing what I do best
1: nice well once again the new album by Eloquent is called Good Karma it's out now via Huh? What? and Where? and he's playing the Hillside Festival in Guelph between July 24th and 26th for more information visit eloquent.bandcamp.com or just Eloquent.com. Eloquent.com. And, uh, I, I spent the $53, <laughs> and I got the, I got the dot .com. Nice. I didn't, it didn't come up when I Googled it before this uh, interview. Uh, or you can also visit HillsideFestival.ca for all the information about his you shows there. you have to check into that. Yeah, you should probably. <laughs> Is there a song from uh, Good Karma that we can go out on? Um... There's eleven songs, yes, but, there are
2: um, I've, <laughs> but i i I like that you've changed song.
1: is there any so. particular reason why you want to hear that
2: um, that one I don't know, I think that was one of the more organic ones um i like I come from primarily like a traditional hip hop like sampling background mm-hmm. um so this album was an exercise and validation for myself personally that I can actually try to write music. Nice. Um, like without relying on a sample. I'm not saying that the whole thing is like fully non-sample, but this is one of the ones that that was just straight off the cuff. So I don't know, it was kind of one of those songs that when I started making it, um, I had a vision of it going one way and it ended up going in the complete opposite direction. And and I love it for that.
1: Okay, cool. This is You've Changed by Eloquent. Uh, Sona, a great pleasure to get to hang out with you and talk to you. The honor's all mine, my friend. Thanks for being on this show. Thank you for having me. Best of luck with everything. Thank you.